I'm Emma G. Rose. I'm Michelle Shearer. We're indie authors. And this is Indie Book Talk. Hello and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. Today we have L.J. Stanton, the award-winning author of The Dying Sun, co-host of The Scribe's Journey podcast, and someone who's going to talk to us a little bit about disability inclusivity in fantasy stories, which is a topic I'm really excited to dive into. L.J., welcome to the show. Well, thank you guys for having me. So... On that note, what brought that into the fantasy writing world for you? What's what's the background? So I started working on my novel about 10 years ago. And during the process of writing it, I ended up being diagnosed with a disability. And when I was working on these characters and writing them, I would include things that I thought was just really normal. And then my beta readers would take a look at it and just do the, you, you understand that doesn't happen to everyone right like this is this isn't the normal thing and so then it was uh, oh okay well now I have to consider this I have to really think about how I'm representing these characters what I'm doing with them and like what is going on here so that was kind of the light bulb moment for me when it came to trying to figure out how to best include disabilities into my fantasy stories so could you give an example because I'm I'm just curious so I have Ehlers-Donlar syndrome, so all of my joints are like super bendy, and I also come from a horse training background. I spent seven years apprenticing and training horses. So horses also feature very strongly in my writing, and so I had a character, uh, when he was really tired, he dismounted his horse, and his ankle was kind of just gave way, and he stumbled a little bit. They, I thought that was quite normal, and my other horseback riding friends did the, I've literally never done that. <laughs> That's not what usually happens when you dismount and you're tired. Your ankles just don't kind of splute sideways. That's not normal. And I was just like, yeah, it is. Don't tell me that's not normal. It's very normal in my life. So apparently not. Thankfully, no. Yeah. And I, I promise, Emma, I won't go off on a horse tangent and ask Ooh. questions about horses <laughs> i mean you, you can if you want to the last time shelly dismounted a horse it didn't go well either <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible that was a terrible comment guys shelly has been um dealing with some injuries i was, I was thrown to horse, horse a couple months ago and i've been in recovery rehab since then <laughs> so oh, no. well, but I it's all good well. <laughs> I, i'm doing well but that's why i have sort of a stark background because i'm in a heating pad environment. Oh, that's lovely. But horses are awesome. <laughs> what kind of horses are in the book? <laughs> uh, primarily uh, Arabian inspired and <gasps> future. There's going to be some Akhaltik inspired. It's all very Middle Eastern and North Africa, Asia, those kinds of horses. Just throw in a nice landing here or there. I can do that farther along in the series when we start expanding to different continents because Icelandics are fantastic. <laughs> but we can definitely do like a collaboration and do an <laughs> talking how to write horses in fantasy. <laughs> okay, that, I'm, that's well, another sorry. episode right there. Yeah. <laughs> that that would actually be awesome because I think a lot of authors need to understand, especially fantasy authors, how to write horseback riding and things like horse archery falconry they just they could use a tutorial on how these things actually work (laughs) yes absolutely 
All right, we'll talk about that offline. But I'm sorry. Back to inclusivity. <laughs> no, no, okay. you're good. Bring it back. Yeah, bring it back. Let's bring it back. To, so <laughs> I think a lot of times when uh, we start talking about disability inclusivity, people jump right to like the visible disabilities. They're like, oh, yeah, wheelchair or the person's blind, which I, I guess is only sometimes visible depending. But yeah. my point is this disability that you're talking about is a little less obvious so do you feel the need in the book to explain what's happening or is this just sort of a quirk of the character? It's mostly just a quirk of the character. I like having it be somewhat normalized. It's just mm -hmm. a day in his life. And these are the things that he has to deal with on this everyday basis. And very conveniently for him, he has ice magic. So anytime that, you know, ah. something hurts, it's the, oh, back hurts still have to be in this, you know, council meeting or whatever. And you can just ice pack his back. And every time I write that scene, I'm just like, I hate you a little bit because I wish I could do this. I and so I want that right now. <laughs> I have an ice machine right here. <laughs> I have one of those. Those are great. <laughs> So I love this because I feel like when people who have not dealt with disabilities start thinking about disabilities and fantasy, they think things like, well, why would you want that? Don't you want to have the fantasy experience of being somebody else or doing something else? And the truth is, from what I'm hearing you say is, no, I just want the magic power that makes my everyday life slightly more bearable. Yeah, it's really exciting to be able to write accommodations and accommodations mm -hmm. that are just naturally built into the world because so much of disability is really only as disabling as like society has built mm -hmm. it. So I know there are many people that have chronic illnesses and disabilities that if we had just more normalized accommodations for them, would be able to do a lot more either artistically or in jobs that they love that maybe aren't artistic and have a lot more of a feeling of purpose to their lives too, instead of just constantly struggling and fighting for the accessibility that they need. And often I find that fiction is the great kind of gateway to getting people who don't deal with disability to start thinking about disability. So with this character having a, oh, he's just, he's icing his back now, having somebody mm -hmm. do the, oh, well, what have I missed? What should I have been paying more attention to? And then for people who do have that disability, you're sitting there being like, oh, yeah, I understand this. I know exactly what he's feeling. And this is, and that feeling of being seen is so huge that I think most disabled people kind of understand what it would be like to be able-bodied. Like you can kind of see that a lot in just every day when you go outside, seeing how other people can do things, that it's less of that escapism and fantasy. It's more about seeing yourself in these fantastical situations and being successful and finding ways to succeed. Because I feel like you have to be really creative when you have a disability to figure out like how to make the world work for you when it doesn't want to. And I think that there's a lot that would be a lot of fun to explore there that most authors don't really consider. And that's sad, honestly. No, it, it sounds terrible. I'm only having to do this for a very short period of time. But the amount of inconvenience I found trying to get around in a wheelchair yeah. with a cane, just other people's impressions. It's it's giving me a whole different outlook when I read something and what people have to go through. It's amazing. So that came out of it, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. It's, it's a, 
our world in the U.S. at least is not built for people to get around easily. Exactly. Exactly. Whether that is like able-bodied people, because so many of our cities and whatnot aren't good for walking in general, but like Mm -hmm. especially, you know, wheelchair access and whatnot. I know for me, even just going to a store some of the times because my shoulders dislocate really easily, I just had um, shoulder surgery, that it's much Mm -hmm. easier for me to get my service dog to go and like press the handicap button so that the door opens. Most of the time, those buttons just aren't there. Mm-hmm. And the door even has at doctor's little, offices. Yeah, they have a little like <laughs> wheelchair there, saying like, "Oh, it's wide enough for a wheelchair." Like, this is a disability friendly office. I'm like, I can't get in. Thank you. You need a button. <laughs> These little things that you don't think about, and I want to see people having more of those experiences through fiction instead of having to take a tumble from a horse or something like that <laughs> to have like the temporary disability experience, and 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 then coming to it and finding like, oh, these are things that we could do better as a society. It'd be, I think, more fruitful, or at least it would happen to more people if it was the like, oh, I'm reading these books. And this is really cool to see this character that is still able to do all of these things, but also has these other struggles. And look how good I am not mentioning the service dog which I don't yes. see right now. No, he is uh, <laughs> curled up on the crochet blanket that he stole from me and is right behind me. So <laughs> he's very camera shy. Okay. <laughs> We're very pet friendly. Yeah. I, I'm fascinated by service dogs because I feel like most people don't get them. They yeah. see someone out in the world with a service dog and they're just like, dog! And have you worked service animals? into your stories and or do you plan to because I want to hear about how this works yes yes I have kind of started doing that for the second book in the first one the service animal character is introduced very very much at the end Mm -hmm. and now in the sequel to it that character itself is being developed and built up more and in the same kind of way that the disability aspect is a little bit sneaky, it's the same kind of thing of the here's a service dog-esque companion animal that li- has my lived experience of having the service dog, of right. those moments where I'm at home and I really, I don't want to ice pack, I don't want to take my meds, I don't want to do these things, and my service dog is glaring at me doing the, how stupid are you? I told you you need to take the meds. I'm going to go get them for you and you're going to take them. Like he literally will grab it and like shove it in my lap, my little bag of medications and just like keep booping it until I take it. And it's like, okay, dude. So there's my love for added. I love you so much. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm working those things because I want people to see the goofiness that comes with having a service dog because we have I've had a lot of experiences where I've gone out and you see people that do the oh that's horrible that you don't let them do things that they're just working and just must be miserable I'm like oh no he's a husky shepherd mutt he would be insane if he didn't do this job and he is a goofball and loves it so yeah (laughs) yeah those kind of dogs want to work let yes. them work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's that or destroy your house. It's one or the oh, other. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> you can see the gears moving sometimes where he'll like look at something and be like, I know I'm not supposed to. And I'm fulfilled enough in my life that I'm not going to. But I could totally shred the trash. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, you could. I know. I know. <laughs> Thank you for not doing that. Yes. <laughs> so the, the series you're writing, is it? 
Uh, how long are you looking to write it for? Is it a trilogy, a long series? What are you What are you aiming for? Originally, it was supposed to be a trilogy, and then I handed off the kind of the first edition, like the beta read edition to my husband who took one look at it. He got, I think, three chapters in, handed it back to me and went, this is an excellent outline. <laughs> oh, dear <laughs> and, uh, It's good to have supportive family. Yeah. But, and that was the thing is that we had then ended up having the conversation of what we could do with it. And that went and it was like, okay, well, if I start really fleshing these things out, and he was like, yes, you need to. And I went, okay, well, if I start fleshing these things out, I can't do it in three books. And he was like, okay. Then write more than three books. Like, I appreciate the faith that you have in me, dear. So it's now going to be longer than that. I don't know exactly how long. I am a bit of a pantser. I do like having a plan. I outline my Mm -hmm. books fairly thoroughly and whatnot. But as far as the whole series, it's a little bit of the I know where the end point is. So it's just a matter of getting there. Got book one is out. It's available everywhere. And we're working on getting the mass market out. It's just in the hardcover and ebook right now. And then <laughs> the sequel in revisions with it right now. So it should hopefully be out end of this year, maybe next year, depending on how how things go with my health. <laughs> so you're, you, you said we a few times in there. Who do you consider we? Is that like you and your husband and your dog or do you have a team? It's me and my beta readers, my yeah. my editor. That is my group. My sister actually rents for my husband and I. So she is also one of my beta readers and I love it. So that makes it feel like a very much a team situation because anytime that I have the brilliant idea is the like I leave my office and go just word vomit at her. And then she just sitting there like, cool, I was watching a show. Great. Um <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I include them in kind of a royal we almost too. So it's the here. It takes a village. <laughs> it does. It, it absolutely does. And I think especially when you have chronic health conditions, this is hard enough to do on your own when you don't have something totally obnoxious derailing your life at unexpected points. But when you do, you need a team. I, I, I wouldn't be able to do what I do without all of the people that Shelly included that you, you know, may or may not know exist, but I do have some. So what made you go the the indie route versus uh, traditional? Partly being disabled. I wanted to make sure that I could do things on a schedule that worked with my health without having a major contractor kind of doing the like, hey, you need to get this out and that additional pressure. Mm -hmm. I'm a very type A person and my doctors all did the, you need to be less type A and you need to lower your stress levels. So having (laughs) external forces putting additional stress was like, "Ah, that's not ideal. But I also wanted to kind of keep the intellectual property very in-house. We're hoping to do a lot more with the world that I've developed as far as my husband does musical composing and and he oh, awesome. does uh, video games, all of the stuff. So it was like, well, we have a very creative group. Let's see what we can do with this universe now that I've built it. And kind of all working towards that goal of writing inclusive, creating inclusive work that goes kind of beyond what most people kind of think of when we think inclusive, because it's awesome mm-hmm. that we're having a lot more of IPOC and LGBTQA inclusivity, but we're kind of missing that intersectionality where it comes to adding disabled people into our fiction, mm-hmm. because it is challenging. 
but it's totally doable, especially when people, if you look at Reddit or TikTok and you just kind of go on to where people are and happy to talk about their disabilities, Mm -hmm. you can really easily find ways to start including characters that can do everything that you want them to and still have extra depth to them Mm -hmm. by having these disabilities. Well, and I appreciate the approach that a character isn't necessarily just their disability, because I feel like for many years, if you had a character who had a disability, that was like their whole personality. Right. Yeah. And spoiler alert, we all have personalities on top of all the crap we do. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot more to it than just the like, oh, I'm the person with EDS. It's the, oh yeah, I am. I'm an author. I am a wife. I am a horseback rider, a former horseback rider, stupid health conditions. All of these things that like are so multifaceted that it's is really frustrating when you would get so many people that are just like, oh, this is the character who is in the wheelchair. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things I really actually loved about World War Z was that there's, you know, in the book, there is the character that has a wheelchair and is awesome and just a complete badass. And it's the yeah, showcase that like disabled people could totally survive a zombie apocalypse, depending on how fast the zombies are. Um, <laughs> I couldn't. It was just cool stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, the joke around the house is that I would be like patient zero. I would be the zombie. So it's just like, I'm not surviving apparently. <laughs> Again, it's good to have supportive family. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, so if people want to keep track of what appears to be a growing saga of books with no end in sight, where can they find you on the interwebs? So I release early access work on my Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash LJ Stanton. My website is swordandboard.gg. And I'm just LJ Stanton on all social media platforms. And then my podcast, Scribe's Journey, can just be found at scribesjourney.com. Fantastic. Well, what, what, what is Scribe's Journey? We didn't so, ask that question. That's right. Scribe's Journey is myself and my two co-hosts, T.R. Alvey and Travis J. Crokin, who are documenting our different Scribe Journeys. And talking about how, you know, this season was a getting your book from kind of concept to finished and out marketing and just trying to help people along their own journeys. Oh, so very much if when you're done here, which we're almost done, we're about to wrap up, uh, go listen to that because it seems like we've got some overlapping audience. So go check Mm -hmm. that out. Follow LJ on everything. Demand pictures of animals. And... Don't worry. There are you. My author photo is me and my service dog. So Excellent. you know you Perfect. found the right LJ Stanton if it's me and the blue-eyed, rather he's hates he hates the camera. He's glaring at it the whole time. He's not looking impressed. <laughs> but you know you found the right one if it's that. <laughs> okay, so LJ and a glaring dog. That's that's the image you're looking for. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me. <laughs>